Hi there, and welcome to Manningham Christian Centre's Sermon of the Week. I'm so glad you joined us. My name is Matt Wyatt, and I'm the lead pastor here. My prayer for you is that as you listen, you encounter God and find this message practically helpful. It would mean a lot to us if you were able to rate and subscribe. This not only lets us know how we can serve you better, but also spreads the message to those who need to hear it. Hey, thanks so much again, and I look forward to catching up with you later. Bye. Tim Lord. Welcome, Tim. Hello, everyone. You can take a seat. We might put the house lights on. I like to see the people who I'm talking to. My name's Tim. I think I know most of you, but if some of you have never met me before, um, you know, myself and my wife and, you know, our kids grew up in this church and we've been attending this church for about 17 years-ish. And then really recently, you know, less than a year old, we've um, planted a church out in Clifton Hill. So we're so excited to be invited back and to share and speak. And, you know, I just love what God's doing in this place. And I uh, absolutely um, back up everything that Julie was just saying. There is such an influence in the community. And, you know, we are absolutely sharing the love of Jesus in and through um, Manningham Christian Centre and all the wonderful ministries. Um, but, you know, God is good. And so, you know, what is he here to talk about? You're probably wondering. Well, a few weeks back, um, I actually um, came here and spoke as well. And we talked about abiding in the vine. Does anyone remember that one? Yeah. yeah? And we talked about the cross relationship. Daniel, I'm not sure if you want to bring up the cross relationship on the screen. And, um, you know, we said that to love God is to love one another. And who remembers that cross diagram? You see you've got like an up and down thing going on and you've got like a, hey, you know, there's me down here and, you know, God up there and there's that love thing. I've got to love God. And then there's also this other thing that's like a horizontal thing that says it's not just about that. I actually have to love the person beside me. And so well, that's what we talked about a few weeks ago. But today we're going to actually talking about looking at in a little bit more detail, like what does this love look like? Okay, so the word love can mean so many things to so many people, can't it? I mean, you know, if you watch TV, you've got maths and you've got Love Island and all these weird things, and we're not talking about that today, right? Now, if I say uh, I love a red wine or I love a beer, what I'm really saying is I enjoy it, aren't I? And now, if you hear someone say that they're uh, in love with himself. Now, this is actually uh, philotos love, and um, that's describing someone who's preoccupied with their own selfish desires. That's not what we're talking about today either. If I say, I love you like a brother, that's phileo love, and that's not just like, oh, we know each other, but there's actually a bit of a deeper connection, right? We're good friends where people genuinely care for one another. And if someone says, oh, I'm in love with her, I'm in love with him. Now that's a romantic attraction, right? That's eros or a physical, sensual intimacy. Um, so there's all these different loves and love can mean so many things to so many people. But today what we're talking about is agape love, okay? Agape love, agape being a Greek word, is different to all these because agape love, it embraces like a deep, 
profound, sacrificial love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstances, okay? It is selfless. It is unconditional, okay? Agape love says, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm going to love you anyway. So when we talk about love today, that's the context for the word I'm going to be using, okay? Now, if, you know, at Manningham Christian Centre we're doing this discipleship thing, who's, who's been following along with the discipleship thing, yeah? Whether you're online or whether you're in the room. So, you know, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, then we should look at how Jesus defines love, okay? So now what happened was actually one day one of the scribes and Pharisees, they actually questioned Jesus and they were actually trying to trick him. And they asked Jesus, hey, which is the greatest commandment? And in his answer, Jesus ranks love as the most important, right? This is how he responded. It's in Matthew 22, uh, 22 34 to 40. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. With everything that you are, love the Lord your God. This is the first and greatest commandment, Jesus said. And then they're like, you know, oh, that's what we thought you'd say. But Jesus continued, right? He says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. To which those people who were like, you know, living around at that time, they would say, how is it like it? What, what, what has, you know, loving God, what's that got to do with loving the person beside me? Um, you know, loving God has nothing got to do with how I treat other people, does it? And here's the thing. Jesus is actually opening up this idea that to love those around us is currency in his kingdom. And that to treat those around us with respect and honour and kindness, you know, that's what we were singing about this morning, right? That is just as if we were to treat God with respect and honour and kindness. And so in many ways, these two commandments are inseparable. Or you could say they're kind of like one command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbour, okay? So Jesus is defining love, right? And then as if to add an explanation, Mark, he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 40, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And he's saying, hey, guys, what's more? All the other commandments, all the thou shall not murder, thou shall not steal, all the other laws, even the direction from the prophetic writings, people like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and, you know, if all those things actually met, if we embrace and take on this one directive, love God and love one another. How powerful is that? So... Jesus then later on gives what he calls a new, what the Bible calls a new command, okay? So that was like the commandment, and then there's like a new commandment. So later on, he says in John 13, 34 to 35, it says, A new command I give you, love one another. And to which, you know, the people at the time are probably thinking, uh, hang on, we've heard this one, Jesus. Um, this is the one of the Ten Commandments, remember? Moses came down the hill with the rules on the two tablets and all that stuff. Jesus, we've heard this before. And, you know, but he continues on, right? And he says, a new command I give you, love one another, get this, as I have loved you. 
Now, for us right now, this is big because he hadn't died on the cross yet. And they didn't know the full extent to how much he loves those guys then and me and you, right? But as I have loved you, that is the extent. This is, it says, this so how much you must love one another. Wow. That's how much you should love one another, as much as Jesus loves you. And that is like kind of like a drop the mic moment because now we are being asked to love one another to the same extent or to the same level that Jesus loved us. It puts a whole new spin on the word love, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. And, now, you know, and for me, it's, it's actually really personal because, you know, for me, Jesus forgave me when I wasn't worthy of being forgiven. Okay, you know, Jesus came for me when I actually walked away from God, right? And Jesus sacrificed his life for me so that I could be restored and justified and be made right with God. And Jesus showed me undeserved favor. And Jesus loved me and gave me a fresh start. And so in light of all this, I need to, I need to choose to love others the same way that Jesus loved me. It's personal, okay? Now, applying the new commandment, applying this new commandment that Jesus gave. So today what we're going to do is we're going to dive deeper and go to a deeper level. So grab the person next to you and say, we're going deep. All right. So Paul, Paul is going to help us, right? So Paul was the one who walked and talked with people who were alive at the time of Jesus. And Paul, he actually went and planted many churches and they kind of like, you know, it started off in Jerusalem. But the further and further he traveled around the Mediterranean Rim, the further and further these churches got away, you know, physically in location, um, the more and more people started to, well, what does this love look like? Okay. So the more he found that he needed to describe it, to explain what that love that Jesus commanded looks like. And in doing so, he wrote to one of the churches in Corinth, in Corinth, okay? And he explained to them what I'm about to share with you today, and that is what, what it looks like to love one another as Jesus did. And Paul was not redefining love. I want to say that right now. Paul was not redefining the new commandment. He was teasing it out so that they could understand what it looked like to love one another Jesus style. Okay, And you're thinking, but Tim, why should I go deep into what love looks like? Because this scripture, guys, if applied, it will strengthen your relationships with those who you live with, who you work with, who you study with, the one another, right? Because let's face it, we all want to be loved. And so for those around you, this will make you a friend worth keeping. It will strengthen your relationships and it will make your spouse stickier, all right? Who wants your spouse to stick around? Yeah. It will make you a better you for the person next to you, okay? This is why it's worth going deeper. It's worth examining because as disciples, these are the things we need to get good at. These are the life skills that as a Jesus follower, we ought to walk and talk and be known for, okay? So for those out of you who are kind of thinking, maybe, maybe, maybe one day, not today, but maybe one day I might want to get married. Well, these are the type of things that 
you need to start to put into practice now because dating is actually like a practice ground for building and sustaining love that will make you a better person for that other person you're going to marry. So and you might say, oh, Tim, I'm already married. And guess what? That's great because for those of you who are already married, what I'm about to talk about was probably likely included in some way, shape or form on your wedding day. Okay, and today will be a refresher. And that's how powerful Paul's deep explanation of love one another is. This is the kind of love one another that sets you up for life. Okay, sets you up in a relationship that is going to last for life. Paul isn't rewriting the love commandment. Okay, Paul's directions or Paul's guides are applications of Jesus' new command. Okay, so are we ready? You're all ready to go and look at these? All right, let's do it. 1 Corinthians 13. You probably guessed it for some of you guys in there. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Okay, it starts off by saying, Love is patient. Love, guys, is not pushy. You know what patience is? Patience is accommodating the pace of the other person. Patience is willingness to slow down or speed up to meet the pace of the other person. Okay? Patience is being able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, even suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. How do you respond when you have to wait for somebody? Are you like... I'm going to check my phone. <laughs> How do you respond when you need to pick up the pace for someone else? Right? You know, like, hey, we've got to go running late. Don't rush me. How do you respond, right? Love is a decision to pause rather than push. Love does not push the pace, guys. And that is exactly what God did and still does for you and me. God accommodates our capacity, doesn't he? He uses language we understand. He does not force us into obedience now, but he invites us into repentance when we are ready. He knocks at the door of our heart and waits for you to let him in. Love is patient. Now, I've noticed that when we don't value something, we rush. Can I give you an example? So for me, washing the dishes, right? Who likes washing the dishes? I'm not really overly invested in wa washing the dishes. I don't have a life goal to be a <laughs> dishwasherer, <laughs> all right? So I rush in and I bang the pots and, you know, plates and all that kind of stuff, and I'm trying to get it through it as quick as possible, right? Let's just get through, wash the dishes, because I want to do something else. But, you know, here's the thing. When we match the pace of the other person, we're saying, I care about what you care about. And, you know, by implication, I care about you. And so God values you and God goes at your pace, right? So let me ask you this question. Are you pushy? Because if you are, you might have some work to do. Have you ever seen in a bike race what happens when a group all rides at a different pace? They crash and they pile up into each other. It's not good. It's carnage. <laughs> Bang, what a mess, okay? And it's a bit like that with relationships. Love is patient. All right, who knows what's next? Love is patient, love is? That's right. Gee, you guys know this. Now, kindness sounds soft, doesn't it? And kindness sounds weak. But 
The opposite is true. Kindness is lending your strength. Unkindness is weak because it means you can't control your tongue. You can't control yourself. Unkindness is actually weakness. Now, kindness is lending your strength in place of their weakness. I mean, that's what God did for you. Paul said it this way, while I was still sinning my brains out, Jesus was out there dying on a cross for me, paying the price for all my wrongdoing. And while you and I were sinners, Jesus, even knowing that we would still sin after he died on the cross, he still lent his strength to us and he endured the cross for us. Now, isn't that kind? It is. Right. So, Love is patient, love is kind. Here's a question, and this is a big deal, guys. What is your go-to response to weakness? What is your response to weakness in other people? Do you judge them? Do you punish them? Because Jesus would say, remember that kindness and love that I showed you? I want you to pay it forward to those around you. Okay, Then it says this, love is patient, this is still verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, does not boast, is not proud. Love doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, and it's not proud. In other words, love allows the other person to shine. Love isn't threatened by other people's success. Love is able to step out of the spotlight and purely celebrate the accomplishments of the other person, okay? Love does not cut in and interject with stories of their success. Love doesn't interrupt someone else's success with discouraging words. Love allows the other person to shine, okay? The thing about this is Paul explained that Jesus was in his very nature God, but he did not allow or use his God nature to power up. He never played the God card to get his own way. It wasn't something to be taken hold of. He never used it to rule or have an elevated position. And I'm speaking to Christians in the room when I say this. If your saviour did not play a dictator role that he probably deserved to, he had every right to, then what makes you or I think that we should do so? Because love says, I want you to forego your privilege or the credit that you deserve. And if you have this thing inside of you guys that has to point out the negatives in somebody else that's going to bring them down, if that is in you and it's going to undermine your ability to love those people around you, and you need to look at that. If you must avoid giving credit or praise to your husband or wife, to your brother or your sister, then you've got some work to do. So pay close attention to the internal reaction of other people's success around you. All right. Now, this next one is really significant. The Apostle Paul uses a word that we actually don't use that much today, and maybe we should start using it, and that word is honour. Okay? Verse 5, love does not dishonour others. Love does not behave disgracefully, dishonourably or disrespectfully to the men in the room. I would like to ask you this. Do you know how unique you would be today if you decide I will not dishonour a woman again for the rest of my life? I will not dishonour a woman 
with my looks. I will not dishonour a woman with my response. I will not dishonour a woman behind her back with my friends. For the rest of my life, I'm going to honour women the way that God and Christ honoured me. Because to love is to honour. Do you know how unique that would make you? But even more important, do you know how much more like Jesus that would make you? The word says that love does not dishonour others. As a disciple, this is part of what it is to follow Jesus, okay? We don't use that term very much, but I'm telling you, honour is at the heart of every satisfying relationship. Kids, do you know how much more blessed you would be if you honoured your parents? Ephesians 6.3 says that this is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So if you want to grow old, honour your parents. To love is to honour, guys. The Apostle Paul, again, he gives us his definition. You know, we need this definition. Here's what he says. Here's what it looks like. He says that if you want to honour someone else, Philippians 2.3, it says, in humility value others above yourself. Just value others above yourself because they are more valuable than you? No. Why? Because that's what Christ and God did for you. Come on, guys. Jesus went to the cross. What did he say about you in growing to the cross? If a person is willing to give their life for you, the fact that they are willing to submit themselves to you, place themselves under you, that is love. That is honouring love, to value others above yourself. And you guys all know how to do this. And you're probably thinking, I do? Yes, you do. And here's how I know, right? I want you to all imagine that you had an opportunity to have dinner with your hero. You know, that sports star or that recording artist or that actor, that YouTube blogger, whoever it is. Think about who that person would be. Dusty Martin, Brad, Angelina, maybe Ariana Grande. Think about how you would prepare for this dinner. Think about all that you would go through to get ready for that night. Think about how you would behave. That's what honour looks like. You don't really need any lessons. You already know. You would bring your best version of yourself to that dinner. You would arrive early, and if they arrived late, you wouldn't say, hey, Ariana, what gives? No, you'd, you'd say, look, I'm so honoured to have dinner with you. It doesn't matter that you're late. The honour is all mine. You already know how to do this. You would honour them. Now, what Jesus says is that we are to love one another like that. Okay, Paul continues. All right, this is going to be a huge one, okay? This one says in verse 5, love is not self-seeking. This is how we say it today. Love is not selfish. We all know what selfish is. I'm telling you, this is something that I, Tim, personally need to focus on and constantly need to realign myself with. You know, do you seek the best for the other person or for yourself? As a husband, this is what I'm constantly learning. Love puts the interests of other people first. Whose interests are more important? Yours or your parents? Yours or your kids? When you spend money, whose needs and wants come first? Yours or your family? 
You know, I've found that love communication in this area is the key. Over the years, I've learned that, you know, love-fueled communication because, look, to assume is dangerous, right? It's always good to ask. It's like, hey, honey, I'm wanting to put you first and I'm thinking about cleaning the dishes before I leave. Would that help? And now, women, if you hear that, a guy is trying, okay? <laughs> Don't come back with, you should know by now. <laughs> Stick to the heart of helping, okay? It, your response should be, actually, dear, it would be help if you first put away the clothes. <laughs> But, and although my illustrations are, you know, quite funny, why bother working on love communication, right? Why bother? Because love is not self-seeking, isn't it? The way to think of it is how Jesus phrased it. This is how Jesus phrased it. Even the Son of Man, Jesus, came to serve and not to be served. What would serving your mum look like? What would serving your sister look like? Love is not self-seeking. So communicate with a love flavour and put the other person first in the way that they would like to be put first. And you're thinking, Tim, why should I put others first? And you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Because Jesus put you first. Paul says it like this in Ephesians 5.21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission is such a powerful, dynamic relationship changer because this is kind of how mutual submission goes. It's like, oh, you go first. No, 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 you go first. No, 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 I insist. You go first, right? And so I find it with this, if you apply it with the little things, you'll do it with the big things. Wait for the other person to pick their food. Um, you know, wait for them to take their seat. Hold the car door open for them. You know, put that phone down and look at them in the eyes. When it comes to that, those little things, when you're putting those things into practice, then it's going to be more natural when it comes to the big things to put other people first and not be self-seeking. If you find it hard to take second place, guys, then you've got some work to do. Love is not easily angered. And I highlighted the word easily there because everyone gets angry at some point, but love is not easily angered, yeah? So that word anger is like it's actually a cooking term. It's like to be stirred up. And I've got to ask the question, are you easily wound up? Do you fly off the handle quickly? As a Jesus follower, you should not be easily stirred up. Love can listen. Love absorbs. Sometimes you have to sit back and kind of take it for a little while. Love doesn't react, it responds. Because love puts the other person's story above your story. You know, it usually goes like this. This is what I think, this is what I hear, and this is what I felt. And the other person says, no, 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 no. This is what I think happened, this is what I heard, and this is what I felt. So it's all around story. And love puts the other person's story above your story. We need to stop and realise we've got different stories. You know, we've got different stories around the same event, that argument, right? So I'm going to listen to your story and I'm going to put your version of events ahead of my own. I'm not going to be easily angered. So here's a question I've got to ask you. Are you easily angered? Are you easily, you know, 
Do you get angry easy? <laughs> Do you quickly raise your voice and yell and cut other people off? If so, that's a you issue and that's a love issue. Now, here's the most common thing we say in response to all this, right? We say, but they made me angry. But did you know that other people do not make you angry? They've just drawn it out of you. And to follow Jesus is to learn to deal with what is in you before it comes out of you. That's what it is to follow Jesus. And you might say, wow, Paul, this is really hard. All right, let's keep going. Let's look at the next one. The next one says, love keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, love doesn't have a diarised calendar. Love doesn't pull out the file and say, oh, remember when you did that? It was January 6, 2015. We're at the beach. You're wearing a yellow T-shirt. No, 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 no. That's not what love is like. Love keeps no record of wrongs. The funny thing is, and have you noticed that, relational record keepers, they rarely keep track of their own records. Isn't that true? So here's the question. Do you enjoy catching your children? Do you enjoy catching your brother or your sister? Do you enjoy catching your husband messing up? If so, stop it. Not because the Bible says so, not because I think I'm the boss of you. Stop it because that's not what God does for you. And this whole new way of living, this whole new way of loving is choosing to treat others the way that God treats us. You know, God doesn't say just love. No, no, no. God says love as I have loved you. That's the new command that we're talking about. And you go, whoa, that's difficult. Of course it's difficult. It's not easy, but it's better. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It's how you would want to be treated and it's how you would hope your future husband or wife would treat you. Forgiving is at the epicenter of what Jesus did for you and for me. It's at the center of the Lord's Prayer and it underscores the point that God forgave and continues to forgive us. And when asked by the disciples on how do we pray Jesus, this is how he responded. He says, this is how we talk to our Heavenly Father, Matthew 6, 12. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive them their trespasses against us. Forgive us of our wrongs as we forgive other people who have wronged us, right? To which, at the end of the prayer, out of all those things in that the Lord's Prayer, the thing he reaffirmed when in verse 14, he says, For if you forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. How powerful is that? How important is that? How much at the centre of what love looks like is that? Remember this, guys. You can be right 100% of the time and end up 100% alone. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And people don't want to be with you if you're right 100% of the time. And it won't be because you were wrong, um, but it will be because you can't keep that stupid record book shut and you keep bringing up the past. And yes, you're 100% right. Your dates, your details, your record of events was 100% perfect, but no one wants to be around you. 
And God in heaven says there's a better way. He says, I want you to forgive and then live like you've forgotten because loving my style, not the world's love, my love keeps no record of wrongs because that's what I did for you, Jesus would say. As far as the east is from the west, I have removed the blame and shame and I have justified you. Now, here's Paul's big finale, guys. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 and 7. And you're thinking, good, Tim, I'm getting pretty hungry. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. Love always protects. And that means keeping bad things out. Love always looks for a way to keep bad things out of a relationship. Which means if you're bringing bad things into a relationship, if you're secretly bringing debt into a relationship, if you're secretly bringing a bad habit into a relationship, secretly bringing pornography into a relationship, if you're bringing something bad in that has the potential to undermine the marriage, you are not protecting that relationship. And love, it always protects. He goes on. Love does not delight in evil at all always rejoices in the truth. It always protects. Then he says, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love, and it's always a choice to love people, right? Love chooses to see the best in the other person. It chooses to hope for the best, believe the best, and it lets go of everything else. Love enjoys catching people doing right, and it celebrates it. Here's the punctuation. Here's the full stop. Here's the explanation mark. Love never fails. As if to put an explanation mark on the whole what love looks like description, Paul says that love has perseverance, determination and resolve. It does not give up. Paul's saying, for all the things we've talked about, guys, don't just try it once and then say, well, I tried, didn't work. No. Show some persistence. Love never fails. And even right at the end, while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was still loving us unconditionally, still showing undeserved favour because he loves you and he loves me. So none of this comes naturally, right? (laughs) You know, with relationships, if we believe, if we behave naturally, it kind of leads to normal outcomes because (laughs) being inconsiderate leaves people feeling unconsidered, right? Now, here's the thing. If you are unkind or impatient or envious, dishonourable, that's the easy thing to do, right? Without trying, I can be that person. You know, you can be that person. But let me ask you this. Would you like to be friends with someone who's like that? Would you like to have a mum or a dad who treats you like that? Would you like to have a brother or a sister like that? Even more, do you think that if someone who was going, who was, if someone who was working at loving other people, and I mean someone who was kind, someone who was patient, humble, honors others, do you think that that person is looking to be friends or soulmates with someone who's the opposite to them? To borrow a quote from Andy Stanley, he says, Are you the person? who the person you're looking for is looking for? Because this type of love, being this type of person, is how to become a person worth looking for. 
you know, how do relationships stick? See, longevity in relationships is rare. It's hard and it requires work. And choosing to love like Jesus loves, it's not always a natural instinct. But this is how to become a person worth staying for. This is how to have a relationship that sticks. It's how you become the person the person who entrusted their future to you was hoping for. And it sounds crazy because most people, before they get married, they actually thought that all this would come naturally. So they never worked on it. In the honeymoon phase, they thought their partner would be so perfect, they wouldn't require any patience. But everyone who has been married looks back in retrospect and goes, whoa, I need patience. We need patience. And, you know, I don't have to worry. These people, you know, before they get married, they say, I don't have to worry about all these virtues. They're just going to magically somehow flow out of me because they're going to come in response to her perfection. They're going to come in response to how handsome he is. Right? Now, here's the truth. No matter where you are at in a relationship, the time to work on these virtues is now. Okay, invest in your future. So in conclusion, if I can get Daniel to bring the list up, here's the list. Love is patient, kind, not jealous, not arrogant, honouring, selfless. Love is not easily angered, not a scorekeeper. Love is protecting, trusting, hopeful and persevering. When you look at that list, can I ask you, how do you stack up? You might look at this list and say, oh, I'm a C. Maybe on Sundays, in the five minutes just after church, I'm a B. But Tim, this is hard. And that's true. But let me ask you this. Your husband, your wife, your parents, your close person, don't you expect them to be like this for you when you look at that list? Don't you want to live with people who treat you like this? I'm going to read them again, okay? And I want you to let me know which one you think the people around you, you don't need. Which one of these don't you need? Patience, kindness, gel, not arrogant. Let's face it, we need them all, right? We, we need them all. We want people to treat us like that. So here's Paul's closing consideration. Paul, having shared this incredible picture of what Jesus' love looks like, what you and I ought to follow, and do for others around us. Paul then asks us to consider it in this light. You ready? 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11, he says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. And no one blamed me because, well, I was a child. I thought like a child. And no one criticized me for thinking like a child or a little boy because I was a little boy. I reasoned like a child. When I was little, I used to weigh up and think a bit like a child. And it was okay. But... When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And this is his gentle way of saying, guys, let's grow up. Yeah? Let's not live reactively, but let's live with proactive love for one another. Let's abandon the assumption that this is going to come naturally. It requires work. So here's the application I'm going to leave you with just before uh, Pastor Julie comes up. I want you to consider... On this list, which one of these kind of struck a chord with you? Not, not because it's how someone else failed to love you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it struck a chord with you because you realised that, hey, this is an area that I need to work on. I want you to grab that facet or that aspect of love and think on it for a while. I want you to pray about it. 
Think of what it would look like for you to be that person who loves those around you better. Think of how you respond when situations arise where you normally default to that natural behavior and think about how Jesus would actually love in that situation. And where possible, put in place something to enable you to be that loving person. Why? Because at Manningham Christian Center, we're all about following Jesus, all about being disciples and making disciples. And there's no better way than for those who are close to us to experience that love of Jesus. Thank you. Hi there, my name's Matt. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I trust that during the service, God was moving in your heart and his presence was where you are. Just before we say goodbye, I'd love to give you the opportunity to cross the line of faith and say yes to Jesus today. If today's message spoke to you, or you've been considering believing and following Jesus as your saviour, I'd like to invite you to do that now. Would you repeat this short prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again to give me life. I ask you to forgive my sins and be my Lord and Saviour. I open my heart to you today. Amen. Wow. If you said yes to Jesus today, I am so excited for you. I am so excited with you. I'm so excited that we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to celebrate with you, pray with you and help you start on your journey with Jesus. Can you visit our website, manninghamcc.org or go to the I Said Yes page, fill out your details, and one of our leaders will get in touch with you. We'd love to hear your story. See you then. Thank you so much for joining in today and being part of our service. We are so happy that you could be with us. If you enjoyed today's service, would you click the share button and subscribe to MCC so that you can stay connected? We all need good news and would love to hear how God has spoken to you today. So please visit manninghamcc.org and fill out a good news story form today. If you would love to know how to grow in your relationship with God, the next steps provides the path for you. So visit manninghamcc.org to find out more. Thank you so much for watching and we will see you next time.